Uh, well, let's, let's uh, shift gears. We're going to uh, turn our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to continue the study that we have uh, embarked upon. We're actually, if you've been paying attention, we're, we're cracking open chapter 5 this week, and chapter 5 is the last chapter of 1 Thessalonians, so this is not one of those um, long, drawn-out, two-and-a-half, three-year affairs that it might take us to go through some books in the Bible. This has been a rather uh, swift journey through 1 Thessalonians. This morning, we're going to read verses 1 through 8 of chapter 5 and prepare to work our way through that. Again, as I normally tell you, if you don't already know this, on the back side of your bulletin, there's a handout that has all of my scripture references that I'm knowing I'm going to refer to and, and draw attention to. There might be some others that sneak in there, but uh, that's where I was uh, prepared to lead us this morning. But now read with me. Pay careful attention to the words. These are the important words that you need to hear this morning. So read them with me. Listen to them carefully. Paul says in chapter 5, verse 1, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. God, thank you so much for your word. Would you teach us this morning by your Holy Spirit from your word that we may be impacted, that we may understand, that we may be prepared and ready for the return of Christ when it comes. We give you praise. We look to you, Jesus. You are the captain of our salvation. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've been uh, calling this message the same, the same uh, front title as I did last week, to be ready. Paul's thrust from the beginning in chapter 4, verse 13, is for us to be ready for the return of Christ. Last week we talked about the fact that his initial readying of us, if I can use that word, his initial readying of us as believers was that we would understand the hope that we have. We would understand what's going to happen, in particular with those who are no longer living those who have passed on and are no longer living, that we would understand that there is something uh, that they're part of. They're not going to miss out on the return of Christ. In fact, you remember he talked about they're going to precede us uh, as, as Christ returns. They're going to precede us. And we had those conversations. This week, we're going to talk about the fact that as he continues to ready us for Christ's return, he wants to exhort and encourage the believers in that day and us today that we are to be awake and sober. Those are two words that show up there in this text. Awake and sober. We're going to get there. I have two main uh, verses that are, are going to form the, 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 the backbone of the, the rails for us to go down this morning. The first one is the very first verse. As Paul is reading them, notice what he says. He's not coming with, with correction necessarily. Or he's not coming to say, listen, you're thinking about this all wrong. He says, in fact, concerning the times and seasons, brothers, I have no need or you have no need to have anything written to you about it. 
You don't need someone. You, you have a good understanding, but let me remind you and encourage you and exhort you. And I'm guessing this morning, this is a place where I can, I can find myself in the same place as Paul. I don't know that I have to tell you this morning, hey, people, I hope you know this. Jesus is going to come back. You know that, right? You're sitting in church. You're aware of those things. Last week, we talked about understanding hope. You, we, we're growing in our awareness of that. But the, but the, 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 the thrust we're going to come with is to make sure that we are really ready for that. And Paul is going to have a couple things to say about that. I want you to know, brothers, I don't need to write you anything, but I'm going to give you two sort of statements that you're going to hold together. So I'm going to give those statements to you this morning. This is the way I'm going to approach it. These two statements, Paul says, verse 2 and verse 4, to hold together. I'm going to put them both up on the screen, not at the same time, one at a time so you can see them. Two, what I'm going to say are going to be contrasting statements that we hold together. He says, you're aware of this. You're fully aware of this. You know that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. That the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So there's statement number one. We're going to be, we're going to be working around or, 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 or addressing or dealing with these two statements for the first part here. So just keep this in your mind. Refer back to verse 2 uh, multiple times over the next uh, course of the next 10, 15 minutes. You yourselves are fully aware. You know this. The day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. But here's the second statement that we're going to hold up against it. But he said, but you're not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. Remember I said these are going to come kind of as, as, as contrasting statements that Paul says two things. He says, I don't need to write you about this. You're fully aware of it. You know the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. At the same time, he says, but I also want you to understand, brothers, that you're not in darkness. This day is not going to come and surprise you like a thief. So let's, let's just go through a couple of things that I think are, are good for us to, to, to chew through or to think through or to, to take note of as we go through this first part of the text. Let me make a couple of connections for you. First of all, I think we should see there's a connection uh, literarily or in the language that Paul uses. There's a connection back to verse 17 of chapter 4. Verse 17 of chapter 4, he's reminding them, he says, we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds. And that word caught up, we talked about last week, the word harpazo, to be caught up. There's a parallel word actually used in, in the first part here in this opening section. And it's actually in this verse I have on the screen right here. He says, you're not in the darkness, brothers, that that day would going to surprise you. That word surprise means to seize or to take hold of something. So you see there's a contrast he's setting up. You, he's, he's saying when Christ returns, those who are in Christ are going to be caught up by God. But here now he says, we're not in the darkness so that we're going to be surprised or seized by the thief. Seized like a thief. That that day is somehow catching you off guard. Now, maybe to help flesh out some of this, I would remind you of some language that Jesus used. In John chapter 10, starting off this way, Jesus said these words. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, I'm rereading re it for you. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but it climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. 
But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And he says again in verse 5, A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this language already, so Paul is not coming up with new language. He's not saying thief. I'm just going to think of some word I could illustrate to the Thessalonians, and I'm going to use this word thief because it, it sort of, it sounds like a nice word. He says Jesus talked about this. Jesus already spoke about the fact that the one that does not come through the gate is a thief. He's trying to take away the sheep. And Paul is going to build on that language. He's going to say, listen, there's a day of the Lord and you'll be caught up when Christ returns. But that day is not going, you're not going to be surprised like a thief by that thief that's coming at the night. Now, in general, I want you to see these two phrases that are opposing each other. And Paul is contrasting them. Here's the phrase, number one. He's been using it already. He says, the day of the Lord. And then the other phrase was just introduced this morning, which is the thief in the night. Now think of the words you can stand up next to each other that are contrasting each other in those two phrases. Of course, day and night, right? It's the day of the Lord, but it's the thief in the night. Day and night, which means the other words are also contrasted against each other, right? It's the day of the Lord, and it's the thief in the night. In other words, Jesus is doing everything out in the open. What he's doing is of the light. It's revealed. It's known. It's there. What Satan, the thief, is doing is hidden. It's by surprise. It's unwanted. It's by deception. All of those things are packaged together in those phrases. Think about these things. They play out on all kinds of levels in our lives, friends. We don't, we don't have to be talking about the return of Christ. We can come right down to our level where we live every day and begin to make comparisons. Are these things out in the open? It's a good chance it's from Jesus. Not always, but it's a good chance. Is something about this trying to be hidden or deceptive in some way? There's a really good chance that's not from Jesus. That's the thief. That's the one who operates under the cover of darkness, not during the daytime. You remember when Jesus was walking about and they were telling him, don't be careful, don't, 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 don't go in this place, they're trying to get you. And he said, hey, it's daylight and I'm going to work while there's daylight and I, I'll do the things right out in the open in front of them. The day of the Lord, the thief in the night. There's a contrast there. Now, think about even, let's move beyond just some of those connections I want to make for you, but think of the words Paul is saying here. You yourselves are fully aware the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief in the night. People are saying peace and security, and all of a sudden, there it is. But you are not of the darkness, so you will not be surprised like a thief would surprise you. You're children of light. Children of the day, we're not of the night, the darkness. He's drawing lines of boundaries, right? Where you belong and where you don't belong. Now, how do we take what he says here? He says you're fully aware, you know it's going to be coming like a thief in the night. And for him to say that, well, it's not going to surprise you at all, I think we can clearly say that Paul is not suggesting to us, listen, 
We can clearly say Paul is not suggesting to us that we're going to know when Christ's return is going to be. Like we're going to know specifically when Christ's return is going to be. I would say that would fly in the face of what Jesus himself said, right? In Matthew chapter 2. By the way, I think I gave you the wrong reference on your handout. I have the right one up here. It's Matthew 24, 36. I think I wrote in your handout 23, 46. So excuse me switching the numbers around. If you want to jot down the right number, I want to correct myself. It's Matthew 24, 36. Jesus said, concerning that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. And when the disciples saw the resurrected Jesus, so this was before the crucifixion, but when the disciples saw the resurrected Jesus in Acts chapter 1, they came to him and they said, Lord, will you now at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And what did Jesus say? Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 7, it is not for you to know the times and seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. We're not going to know exactly when this is. And if anyone should tell you, a little tip, I think, for you, if you don't already know this, if anyone should tell you they think they know exactly when Christ is going to return, you can probably say with great confidence, that's probably not it. Because I think Scripture's pretty clear. You're not going to know. You're not going. By the way, Jesus' next words after this, Acts chapter 1, verse 7, are so important for us. What does he say next? Anybody know what Acts 1, 8 says? When they're worried about the time, was it, when's, the, when's the time going to be that you're going to come back? When we today might be worried about the time that Jesus is going to come back. When's he going to return again? We've got to get it all nailed down. What are Jesus' next words? Acts 1.8. Anybody know what it says? You shall receive power from on high and you will be my witnesses in Judea and in Jer- Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And then he goes right on the very next events. What happens? ties it right into what we're talking about this morning because the very next thing that happens is Jesus is taken up into the clouds and the angel says you will see him come back that way sometime what do we take from that that's not what the message is about but what do we take from that just a real quick sidestep from what do we take from that I think we should spend a lot more time being filled with power from on high and being a testimony a witness of who Jesus is than worried about when he's going to come back because Jesus said it's <laughs> you're not going to know it anyway but this is what you should be doing now I also, so I said very clearly, I don't think Paul is trying to tell us that we're going to know when Christ is going to return. I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. I also, though, just as clearly think Paul is saying that we will not be surprised when it happens. It is not going to take us off guard. We're not going to be caught unaware. Right? Peter, when he wrote about us, he says this about us. He says, we're a chosen race. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation, a people of God's own possession that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us, what? Out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We know what God is doing. We see what God is doing. We see the unfolding revelation of Jesus Christ that's coming. So we're not caught off guard. By the way, do you know it's right there in the text? Paul gives another example, a very clear, upfront example that all of us can understand. What is it in the text? I didn't highlight it. It's not been up on the screen at all this morning, but he gives us another parallel, another, another metaphor of what it's going to be like. What is it? Read verse, what is it? Five, four, three, three. Like a woman in labor. Now, oh, come on. Let, let, let's, let's follow this through, right? Does a woman know exactly when her time is going to come to to give birth? Like, did she nail it down and say, it's going to happen at this time on this day? Can she do that? 
But does a woman, is she caught off guard when all of a sudden, whoa, I'm having a baby? <laughs> Sorry, that was probably not totally appropriate in church. But it's true. It makes the point, doesn't it? Because she knows she's pregnant. She knows almost nine months have gone by, right? She's had the beginnings of labor pains. So put that together. Does she know when it's going to happen? No. But is she surprised by it when it happens? Usually not. And that's what Paul is telling us. That's what Paul is telling us. Listen, you won't know. By the way, the word for season is kairos. It's like a specific occasion. It's a moment of opportunity, actually. So he's kind of saying, we're not going to know the specific moment. But I would suggest to us, he's saying, you know the times. The times is a broader time. Like, like you're aware of what's happening. Now, all that, all that background opening stuff, because I think here's really what he's trying to get us to. Here's where the title of the message comes from, because I think it's the important piece that he wants us to get to. If we're going to be ready then for Jesus' return, we don't know the exact time, but we're also not surprised by it. We're not going to be in shock when Jesus returns, because we're expecting it. We're waiting for it. We know it's going to happen. We know it's right around the corner, just like they've known for centuries already before us that it's right around the corner, and they've believed it. But he says, if that's true, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Let's not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and sober. That's where the title comes from this morning. If we're ready for the return of Christ, we are awake and sober. Once again, I want to give you two statements that we're going to hold up against each other as Paul is making a contrast or making a comparison. The first one is the next line there. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. That's the one side. The next line says, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of love and faith. Sorry, I got that mixed around. Of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Two statements. Those who sleep are sleeping at night, and those who are getting drunk are drunk at night. And the other statement is, but since we're of the day, we belong to the day, let us be sober. Let's be awake. Let's have put on the breastplate of faith and love. And the helmet, that's the hope of salvation. Once again, I want to make a couple of connections. Once again, we're going to start linguistically with some of the words that are there. He says, let us not sleep as others do. And you remember when he was preparing us and giving us the hope last week in chapter 4, verse 13. He says, here's what I want to tell you. We are not to grieve when people die as others do. He uses the exact same phrase. We don't grieve as others do who don't have hope. That was last week's text. This week he says, we don't sleep as others do, as those on the outside. We don't sleep as others do. We keep awake and we are sober. Now, you notice last week we actually talked about being awake and sleeping as well, right? He says, those who have fallen asleep, we don't have to worry that they've missed it. And in that context, he was using the words awake and sleep to talk about death and life, right? When we're awake, we're living physically. When we're asleep, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, right? These are, the, these are the, the, the cornerstones, the anchors of our Christian life. And they serve to protect us and ready us for that day so that we can stay awake and be sober. You know, Paul, as you think of the whole text here this morning, let me just work towards wrapping this up. It'll take a bit yet, with your permission, but let me work towards wrapping this up. If you think of the whole text, Paul uses similar language in a few other places, and I want to take you to one of them. In the book of Romans, Romans chapter 13, 
Paul says this, besides this you know that the time, sorry, let me read that again. Besides this you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Peter wrote similar sounding words. It's not just Paul that uses these kind, same kind of language. He says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. That's the words. It's not the exact same words. I don't want to, make, I want to be clear about that. But that's the, that's the phrasing, that's the subject matter, to be awake and sober. Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. By the way, I think I gave you another wrong reference. I'm so sorry. If you're looking at the paper, it's 1 Peter 1.13, as I have on the screen, not 1 Peter 3.13, as I have on your handout. Don't know what was going on with my brain this week when I put those down, but my apologies. You know, a lot of the foundation of what Paul is saying here today, I think, is found in Jesus' own words. And with your permission today, I'd like to just read a section of Scripture for you of what Jesus did say. If you want to turn in your Bibles to follow along, you can. If you want to just listen, you can. I'd like to read to you from Matthew, starting in chapter 24. We'll read a bit into 25. I know it's not the same thing. I know he's referring to things other than physically or literally being asleep and not alert, but Would you mind just this morning to honor the reading of God's word? Would you mind standing when I read this text, if you're able to do so? I'm going to read in Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 36. And I think we're going to see the basis or the foundation of Paul's words to the Thessalonians are found in Jesus' own words about what's going to happen, what's going to come, as Jesus prepared his disciples for his return, his second coming. Matthew 24, verse 36, Jesus says this. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect." Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, is answered saying, Since there will be not enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. 
Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And let me follow up my previous comments to be ready for the return of Christ. In this text, I think Jesus indicates that it's really important to know Jesus, to be in relationship with him. That's what changed. That's what, when they knocked on that door and said, let us in, he said, I don't know you. To be doing what the Lord has asked us to do and to know our Lord. Friends, that's what it means to be ready for Jesus. That's what it means to be awake and sober, to know him and to do his will, to be walking it out, to be engaged in the, what Jesus has asked us. Now, we're not going to read it, but you know the very next story there is the parable, parable of the talents, which is only reinforcing the fact that God has given you specific things that he wants you to do while you're alive here, and you're to be found faithful with them and doing them when he returns. But I want to stop there. Because I want to remind us that Paul wrote to the Ephesians, if this is our understanding, if this is where we find ourselves this morning, then we should be reminded and encouraged and exhorted that we are to awake if we are sleeping and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on us. We won't be caught unaware. We won't be caught unaware. We'll be expecting Jesus. We won't know exactly when, but we'll know the time is here. May we be found in that place. God, thank you so much for your goodness to us this morning. Thank you that you have transferred us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of your son, the kingdom of light. That we are a chosen nation, a royal priesthood, a people of your own possession that you've called out of darkness into your into your light, that we might proclaim the excellency of you who's done exactly that. But and to this morning's message in the context of that, God, that as we are children of light, children of day, that's all you, God. That's all because of you. It's all because of what you've done through Jesus Christ. We have simply come by faith and to say, Jesus, we believe you are Savior and Lord. We believe we have no chance for eternal life with you and eternal glory in pleasing our, our maker and our father and having a relationship with him except for you, Jesus. So we want to follow after you. We want to surrender. We want to lay down our lives. We want to wake up. We don't want to be dead in our, in, in our own works and in, in, the, in the pursuits of our own flesh. We don't want to be indifferent. We don't want to be feeding our own flesh. We want to live by the Spirit, live in light, walk in step, keep in step with the Spirit. Thank you that it's possible and thank you this morning that you have revealed to us that it, we can be in those places and then we are ready for the return of Christ. We have a breastplate of faith and of love. We are trusting in you. We are loving you. And we have a helmet of the hope of salvation, the hope that's going to be revealed when Christ returns. Oh, we're so grateful. We're so grateful, God, for the, the salvation we already have, the freedom that we already experience, the peace that we already live in being right with you, the joy that comes even when outwardly things may not be going right, even when outwardly we may be wasting away day by day. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. We, we by faith and, and by trusting in you and by, by looking to you, we confess with Paul that that. The these, these, these troubles are light and momentary and they're equipping and forming in us an, an, an unbelievable weight of glory that's waiting for us. Thank you. But having said all of that, we still look 
forward to and long to the revelation of Jesus Christ for it is in that moment that we will see our salvation much more than we've ever seen it, experience it much more than we've ever experienced it for then, then will be the finished, the finished product of what you've begun in us. Thank you. Help keep us focused on that day, Father, to be awake and to be sober, to be alert and to be engaged of a sound mind fixed on you, obedient to you, knowing you. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.